You are listening to the Legal Community Podcast, hosted by Guy Remond and Dave Zampano, powered by Guida. Guida provides self-service online legal documents supported by your local attorney. Fast, affordable, and in your own time. For more information and resources, please visit guida.legal and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Legal Community Podcast, powered by Guider. Today, we are joined by the founders, Dave Zampano and Guy Remond, and today we're going to hear about their stories. So without further ado, Guy and Dave, welcome. Hey, thank you, Lisa. Okay, so my story. So what I'm going to do is I'll talk to you about my situation now and uh, what I'm up to, uh, and then I'll kind of rewind a little bit and, and go through the journey that I went through and talk about all the badges and scars that, you know, happened along the way, just so that you kind of understand my background and uh, and, and get to know me a little bit. So uh, I guess I'll start with my personal life. I'm married. I've been married for, it's actually 30 years this year. We're going away later in the year on a kind of week away with the family, which will be kind of cool. I've got a 26-year-old daughter, which makes me feel really old, and a 19-year-old son. My son's at university. My, my daughter uh, actually with the boyfriend has a house and uh, does all that kind of stuff now and I actually started my entrepreneurial journey in my uh, early 30s and it's fair to say that nothing I've done has formed part of an kind of an intentional strategy it's been more led by opportunity uh, and and just seeing and talking to people and and you know when opportunities arise maybe kind of grabbing them really and what happened then, that kind of accumulated really in 2017 when I sold my company to Bamtech, which at that point was part owned by Disney. And it now operates, my company operates under the Disney streaming services banner, my ex company. I have to get used to saying X now. We were a software company and we, we built it from, from scratch, myself and a business partner, a guy called Rob Harrop. And I'll talk about that a little bit in a bit more detail in the second part of this podcast. I now work as a non-exec, an entrepreneur, and an investor. So I'm a non-exec and investor in three companies. I'm an investor in several others, always looking for, for good opportunities. And I'm also the founder and owner of three companies. So the first one, which has been operating now for probably three years or so, is the Startup Factory. And it's based in Manchester in the UK. You can probably tell from my accent, I'm not... Uh, not from the States, but based in the north of England, Manchester in the, in, in the United Kingdom. Uh, and the startup factory, we work with tech product startups, really. Um, most of them are actually local to the northwest of England. And, you know, they, they have one thing in common, which is that they are people who really know their sector really well. They've worked in it for quite a long time. And they've got a really bright idea of it and something they want to change the world in, in some way, whether that's a big change or a small change, it doesn't really matter, but it has to be an effective change. And what we do, and, and usually they don't have the experience uh, of, of being able to run a software project, and, and that takes a certain set of skills. So, you know, what the Startup Factory does, it provides the the entrepreneurs with, with the skills that they need to, to go ahead and build that particular business. And you know, we help them build their first project. So we make sure it's well architected. We make sure that, you know, they've got everything they need for a, a good quality, uh, minimum viable product, or maybe even a 1.0 uh, offering. 
and then we kind of back away and let the entrepreneur carry on and hopefully make their company really um really big and and do some great things with it so that's the now the first company i've got there's another company called ehe capital which is a really new company and what we're trying to do there is turn venture capital on its head a little bit and and, and move it back in favor of the entrepreneur we feel that that certainly some if not quite a few private equity and venture capital companies lose sight of what's important in in when they invest in these companies which is always the team behind it and in particular the entrepreneur running it so we're going to do things a little bit differently there and then finally but certainly not uh, not last but least is is guider and you know guider we're going to talk about this is the guider podcast or we're powered by guider that for our legal community and we really want to help law firms digitize democratize some of their services and actually ultimately make make more money than they make at the moment and and not feel threatened by online but actually be part of it so that's the, the sort of the key elements of, of guider and a quick fun fact before i kind of go into the journey um, I'm actually a black belt in karate, um, albeit I've not trained uh, in karate now for, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years, something like that. But it's something that I really enjoyed and pretty proud of, actually, because it wasn't an easy thing to do. So the journey, let's start at school. So actually, I wasn't, um, I wasn't your typical you know, highly academic student. Um, I was in some of the lower classes in, in school. And I kind of did okay, but certainly didn't excel at anything in particular in the academic world. Uh, I later found out, uh, probably a decade or so later, I was dyslexic. I am dyslexic. And that kind of explains a few of the things that happened at school. So, you know, why I got unclassified in the English language when I first took it and that kind of thing. Um, And yeah, you know, dyslexia wasn't a thing uh, back in those days, Um, but but it hasn't hampered me in any way. And in some ways, I think some of the dyslexic traits have actually helped the journey that I've been on and, and kind of made me into the person I am now. And, you know, when I was at school, sort of 14, 15, 16, I had two paper rounds. I worked in a shoe shop in my, in my local town centre. I um, One weekend, I went with a guy called Dave Thomas, who was a, a school friend. We, 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 we kind of went, walked into the local town, got the bus and then walked into the local town. And we went around all the shops and, and basically said, give us a job, please. And we found um, somebody who did, Brenda, from a, a company called Trueform, which was um, part of the Freeman Hardy Willis group, I think. Uh, anyway, she gave us a job. And that was kind of my first experience in, 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 in the working world other than the paper round. Again, found it incredibly useful. Actually, at the end of the, the time there, when, I, when it was my time to finish my A-levels and, and, and go either to work or university, they, they uh, offered me a, a role uh, as, a, as a training manager for, for the organization. But I turned it down um, because... Uh, in all honesty, I went ended up working for Sainsbury's, which was a you know in the UK is a large supermarket group. At that point, actually, it was the biggest in the UK. It had a, a highly w- regarded and well-known training manager scheme, uh, and I joined that. And you know they paid me a third more than the the, the shoe company was going to pay me as well, which is always important when you're 19. You need a little bit more beer money, I guess. Very quick story about the the shoe shop. Actually, I was. Working uh, in the men's department, me and Dave were, were up there working there, and I served the lady. And 
I don't know when you with the you know when you go into shoe shops you notice this, but when you go in, you buy your shoes, they always um try and get you to buy the the polish and all that kind of stuff. And they were called fancies. Uh, and you know, I used to do pretty well with my fancies. I used to be able to sell them and uh that there was a high margin on that so it was great for the company uh, and you were targeted on it and anyway so little did i know that the district manager's wife came in with their son so I sold them a pair of shoes i sold them a pair of inner soles i sold them some um waterproofing i sold them some shoe polish uh, i sold them everything it was a really good sale now i still didn't know at this point that it was the district manager's wife and i didn't know until my manager sh- brought me into the room to guy need to chat with you and normally when that happened it was never a good thing uh, but in this instance it was different and she said look you served uh, the district manager's been on you served his wife this morning and you know you, you you did really well and he wants to offer you a trainee manager role at the uh, with, within the company so i said okay so uh, that was you know goes to show how these things work sometimes so anyway like i said i didn't go to university i went straight into the big wide world i wasn't academic and that suited me uh, perfectly fine and i worked for saintswith for 11 years uh, quite happy doing it actually i wouldn't say i was great at it i wasn't bad at it i did okay and i worked in quite a number of stores and worked my way up to the uh, deputy manager role in a store that probably had 350 employees and that kind of thing so uh, I learned a lot about um, how to manage people. Uh, and and actually, that was a really good grounding in building relationships up and getting people on side and supporting them, understanding culture and building culture. And it, it, it's coming really handy. It was a really good grounding. I would definitely recommend it to people who are unsure about what they want to do. Retail is a really good way of doing that if you can. Um, I wasn't looking for a, a new job after 11 years, but I noticed an advert in the newspaper and it was for um, it was for an electrical superstore. Now, I guess I know this now, but I didn't know at the time. I was must have been a, a kind of closet geek um, because um, I saw that advert and thought I'd love to work in a, a shop that sells lots of electric, electrical gadgets. So I went for it and, and, and I got the job. And, you know, it was it was perfect for for somebody who who loved that kind of environment. It was retail and, you know, there was lots of gadgets, computers and, you know, lots of gizmos for the house, which was very cool. Uh, Anyway, I worked there for 18 months again, did okay, didn't excel, didn't do badly, did okay, And I started to talk to a young guy that was a customer in the business section of that group. And um, anyway, we got talking and. It was in the early days of the internet, and you know, he his father was a, a very successful car dealer, and he didn't want to follow in his father's footsteps in the fact that he didn't want to sell cars in the traditional way. He wanted to sell cars online, but he didn't understand anything about online, and 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 I I did. I didn't know a huge amount, but I knew more than he did, which is which is always the recipe to uh, success, I guess. Um, so anyway, so uh, you know, the bottom line is we we set a company up and we didn't sell cars directly online, but we did. Uh, we had a database full of used cars, and again, in the early days of that kind of thing, so quite ahead of its time. In the end, did that for eighteen months, and then um, I had the opportunity really to set up a business of my own. And during that period, we'd we'd hired a guy called Rob Harrop, and Rob was. 10 years younger than, than me at the time. So he was sort of 19, 20 years old, really good salesman and technical as well. Um, but I didn't quite know how technical at that point. Anyway, we decided to set up this web design business. So we did. So we left Netcars, set the, that business up 
and and it became very apparent very quickly that um, Rob was technically really gifted. You know, he is one of these people that excelled at school without doing a huge amount of work, excelled at college without doing a huge amount of work, but didn't want to go to higher education, just wanted to get stuck in and have fun and, and do something really interesting. So we set this business up uh, called Cake Solutions. And I ended up running Cake for 17 years. Rob left in 2006, but by then we built quite a, a, a good team, even at that point, of talented software engineers. It began to become a very different business to most of the businesses in that kind of sector. So for a start, we moved away from the traditional software development languages, and we, we moved to a language that was only just being commercialized. It was a bit of a technical bet, but our CTO at that point, Jan, had done um, a load of experiments and had said, look, this is the future of computing. Com- computing and sort of high bandwidth, big data, computers spanning across lots of nodes in the cloud needed different types of technologies to to make them work really well. I don't know if you remember in the early days of the internet when you tried to book a ticket for a festival and you know within seconds of, of going on, the site crashed every time. Uh, and it was really frustrating. And it was because technology hadn't caught up with what people were trying to do online. So this technology we started to specialize in allowed that to happen and made sure that when we needed to scale up, to spikes in demand, it might be an advert on television where you knew you were just going to get a ton of people coming onto the site. It might have been because you were selling tickets for an event that was going to be popular. You could scale that up and the site wouldn't crash. It might slow down a bit, but it wouldn't crash. So different thinking, different technologies. And then on top of that, as we were learning about all these things, we did experiments and we we, we spoke about them um, and we spoke about them in a number of ways. We, we did s- simple things like lunch and learns within the business where other employees could learn from other employees about their passions and about technology. We then started to um, run some user groups, technology user groups, and we used to speak at a lot of technology user groups. We then started to look at extending that and we wrote books uh, and we spoke at conferences and actually we became inadvertently it wasn't you know like a lot of things in my life there was no plan behind it um it happened but when it happened we the skill is spotting these things so we spotted the fact that we were getting noticed and people were enjoying what we're writing but they also then it, it was increasing our notoriety within the industry and actually within that sector of technology we became the, the probably the most well-known specialist in that particular area and we didn't have a sales team, and we never intended to have a sales team. The engineers just enjoyed talking about what they were doing via books, via blogs, via conference talks, via user group talks, publications. So, you know, we, and we, we gave people a platform to, to almost build their own personal brand. I'm a big believer in that. You know, you really, modern marketing is all about building personal brands that then suck in the company behind the people as well uh, and benefit everybody. And, you know, so we we did things very, very differently. And uh, actually in the last six years of our existence, we 10 times every single parameter in the business and we stood out. And what we didn't realize was our eventual acquirer had followed us for four years. Um, when 
Disney came in and invested in them, used some of that money to then hire us for a project, which was a trial. Again, we didn't know this. We must have passed the guest because they came in then and, and, and made an offer for us. Uh, and I guess what that did then, that gave me a personal springboard really to then, because we weren't looking to be acquired, so I wasn't prepared for this, but it gave it, it got me thinking about what else could I do? What what other marks could I make in the world? What you know, How do you make a difference? You know, it opened up a, a lot of opportunity. So really, that's kind of my story, and you know, bringing it back to what we're here for, which is talking about the the legal community we're building, which is powered by Guida. Guida is this platform that we've built. Uh, technically, you know, we've put a lot of effort into architecting something that will be stable, that will take a huge amount of throughput, that will be able to handle data securely. Security is a big part of what we do, and it will give us the basis that we, we can build this thing and spend a lot of money in building this thing that maybe some of the smaller law firms don't have the expertise or the money to kind of build something like this. So we want to work with lawyers to build their business online as opposed to um, try and erode the business by offering services which excludes them. So it's a really important point. And I think it's something we can really help the smaller law firms and some of the medium and bigger law firms take advantage and get ahead of um, their competition. So that's the aim. That's me. And I think we're going to hear from Dave shortly. Thank you. Thank you, Guy. What a wonderful story. Again, for those of you listening, uh, thank you for listening to the Legal Community Podcast powered by Guider. Remember to subscribe and review and visit guider.legal for the latest our topics, any type of topics that uh, we bring to you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Legal Community Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at guider.legal for more information and please review and share this show. We'll see you next time.